Dead men tell no tales. Fifty men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, we scrutinize, and we plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from ScottArtis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 42 of Dead Man's Chest. Happy Monday. Thank you. I needed that. Kinda. I don't need somebody to remind me it's Monday. It's pretty brutal. Let's just say that. Are we ready to just get the show rolling? That's my question. Sure, why not? The new and improved no-fluff, get-to-the-point attitude we have adopted this season? Well, obviously not ignoring Pirate Word of the Week. We don't want to forget that. I don't want to go through the blame of that again. Are you sure? I'm pretty positive, because I'm the one who likes to blame people, not be blamed. <laughs> Ahoy there, scallywags. Pirate Word of the Week in five, four, three, two. So what do you have for us today? And none of this evil tail leavings phrase you popped on me earlier today. (laughs) No, we don't want that one. Yeah. (laughs) Clap a stopper on your eyes. Clap a stopper on your eyes? Yes. Like, don't look at me? Put an eye patch on? What the hell is that? (laughs) Stop crying. Stop crying? Ah. Clap a (laughs) stopper on your Eyes. eyes. But I didn't think there was crying in piracy. There must be if they've got a pirate phrase for it. That's true. Clap a stopper on your eyes. I don't know how much they use that, though. Maybe it was for the people that they were plundering and raiding on their ships and Maybe that army. was it. They didn't want to see these people crying as they're blowing them away. The Elizabeth Swans? Well, I'm not talking... Okay. Are we talking about the Elizabeth Swan types? I'm talking about actual pirates because this is real pirate words and phrases. <laughs> That I'm just imagining that they didn't want to hear a bunch of blubbering when they were taking over a ship. There were Gettys in the world. There were Gettys in the world. You just can't let it go. You got to come back to Pirates of the Caribbean when we're talking real pirate stuff here. That just makes me want to cry right now. (laughs) Oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? I just don't know. Exactly. In the previous minute... The Motley crew, having just pulled over the bone cage and visited the local Pelagostos tourist attraction, it's never too late to add a hot spot to your vacation, decide it's time for a swim inside the gorge. Which, according to the brochure, yes, literally the brochure, Dominica's marketing of their natural attractions only takes five minutes, but you can take your time and enjoy the ambiance. When you start feeling too cold from the bracing water, there's a natural hot spring trickling outside to warm up in. I don't know about you... But if I were on a cannibal island, the last place I'd go was a natural cooking pot. Yeah. (laughs) Keep that boiling water away from me. I don't want any hot springs near me. You're just asking for Pelagostas to come. Do I smell something cooking? 
Ten more minutes, guys. Yeah, exactly. They're waiting in the background. <laughs> Not that we still think that there's cannibal caribs out there. No, we're talking pelagostos. Yeah, for the most part. Wink, wink, nod, nod. If you hear the drums a beat, get the hell out of there. Meanwhile, Jack Sparrow gets his boogie knight's groove on as he pokes the coconut, flings his fruit, and takes a bow as he splashes the cannibal cutie with juice. Wow. Minute 42 begins with a montage of action sequences beginning with Jack dodging an onslaught of tropical fruits thanks to a couple of angry pelagostos. Women, that is. Marty and the rest of the escaping Motley crew swim along the chasm as arrows and spears whiz by and narrowly miss the intended targets. The minute ends with Jack believing he made it safely across the gorge, only to realize that the buildup of fruit is causing a shifting of weight. As the fruit slides down, Jack topples over the edge as the two cannibal women look on. Freeze frame! As Jack is suspended in midair. That's where our minute ends. That just made me want to... Wasn't there a song, Freeze Frame? I'm going to look it up. song? Yeah, or 90s, whatever the hell it was. Yeah, I think so. I think everybody's going to get a little freeze frame enjoyment in this episode. <laughs> Somewhere... Oh, you can expect it. There'll be some freeze frame action going on. Just because I mentioned it. He kind of frozen in air as he's fallen down there. That he did. So why not uh, relive some of the glory days? Not that I'm going to put any Bruce Springsteen in here. Saying glory days. Oh my God, you're over well, there. What, I thought you, what the hell is wrong with you? A second ago, you didn't know if there was an actual song called freeze frame. And now you're naming... Bruce Springsteen as the singer of it. I was just confused. Not of that song. Yeah, I got it after. Oh, really? I'm not sure that you do. Actually, I better, once again, you know, what is it? Put a stopper on my eyes or clod stopper or hob stopper. Clap a stopper on Clap your eyes. Clap a stopper on my eyes. I don't Goodness. know. Phrases and idioms yeah, these days. Yeah, you have issues with this. Hey, I like to make up my own stuff. Hey, I was watching the background stuff for the movie. Okay. And they had actually, um, they were showing how they did the fruit thing. The well, fruit? not necessarily on the stick, but all throwing the fruit at the at Jack. Yeah. And they actually had, even Bruckheimer was out there throwing fruit oh, at Jack. Seriously? Yeah. They were all covered in like plastic bags. Yeah. So they didn't get the fruit on them. I did not come here tonight to make you laugh. I came here to sell you something. I want you to pay particular attention. Because the amazing Master Tool Corporation, a subsidiary of Fly-By-Night Industries, has entrusted who? Me. To show you the handiest and the dandiest kitchen tool you've ever seen. And don't you want to know how it works? Yeah! Well, first, you get out an ordinary apple or two. You place the apple between. Pat the pan. Then what do you do, gang? It's simple. You reach for the tool, but it's not a slicer. There is not a dicer. There is not a chopper and a hopper. What in the hell could it possibly be? But Jack's out in the middle, and he's sitting on top of a white cloth or yeah. white something. And they're all tossing all this fruit, parts of fruit and everything at him. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And then at the end, he ended up tossing it all back at him. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you? It, well, of course. I mean, their pay is so little that they got to <laughs> have some fun in their work. Yeah. And they find it in the small things. And yeah. so. Awesome it it just other. takes, yeah, it takes that place from those big paychecks. So. But I found it kind of interesting, like the camera crew and Bruckheimer and all these people were out there throwing fruit at Jack. But that's how you make things fun. Oh, and yeah. get people excited and about working there because it can be such a daily grind with anything. This is now, companies should take notice. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff people want to do. Not, have a let's fight. go on a retreat and you have all these stupid... 
I am a motivational speaker, you know, living in a van down by the river. No, we don't want that garbage. Hey, we want to throw fruit at Johnny Depp. There we go. Is it too much to ask? I mean, for crying out loud, companies, come on, yeah. get your act together with your stupid retreats and things. Let's make them fun. Let's bring in celebrities that we can pelt with fruit. Exactly. That's all we want. It makes of us fun. feel better about ourselves. And then they throws it back at you. Maybe. Maybe. If we let them. But I think I have to start really things off by going back to the previous minute. Because you were we just don't talking go about. Back? The, no, this is a must, though. Okay. And you were bringing up the fruit. Because I don't think it was fire we saw on the rope. In this, like, oh, one blink of an that. eye frame. Yeah. I think it was fruit innards. Yeah, me too. Anyone? Because it's all over the rope and it's yeah. the same color. I mean, it's like the papaya. There we go. Because I'm starting to think it was a piece of this splattered fruit we see on Jack in this minute. And I think it was such a quick clip the last minute that it just looked like fire because yeah. it was a little bit blurry. It wasn't, like, in focus. No. But I have to say this may be the only time anyone has ever confused fire with papaya <laughs> this is a first i'm saying it right here i don't think anybody's ever confused fire and papaya probably not ah uh, don't touch that oh never mind that's just papaya my bad <laughs> did that the other day while i was at the grocery store i freaked out i'm like oh, don't touch oh it's okay it's all right kid it's just papaya <laughs> and there's fruit pieces everywhere so i think the continuity is still off because he has fruit on the rope before the fruit fight engages yeah so Okay, we're right there. It's just not fire. It's papaya. It's the fruit that resembles fire. <laughs> I mean, damn that continuity. Okay, but no need to focus on movie errors. Those things happen. Let's not get technical here. We're just breaking down this movie one blimey minute at a time. <laughs> and fruit is fire. Yeah, it's probably the only time that, seriously, anybody's confused fruit with actual <laughs> fire. I, don't, I can't even imagine how this has happened. It looked like fire, though. Yeah. It looked like a flame coming off that rope. Yeah. No, it's just... And that explains why he was okay with it. Like, you know, you guys, this is going a little overboard by lighting these ropes on fire right here by me. (laughs) That was our bad. It was. What do you think of this updated pie-in-the-face pie-fight trope thing going on here? Classic Hollywood cinema coming through and making an appearance in Dead Man's Chest. The fruit fight. What do you think of that? My thoughts. I I was a little concerned with them wasting their fruit supplies so you get so technical on it that you're going into well i hope those poor pelagosto cannibals have enough to eat well humans don't just come along every day i assume i meant okay not in the sense of the poor pelagostos wasting their fruit what did you think of the fruit fight in the movie this idea that it was like Basically, an updated version of the classic Hollywood pie fight that you see in movies. Old movies, I should say. I kind of liked it. That's what they had on hand to kind of throw at Jack to either delay him or, you know, stop him for what he was doing. So I kind of liked it. You didn't think it was too, like, back to classic Hollywood movie cliches? No. I didn't even think of that. Really? Actually. No, not at all. Wow. The only thing missing, I thought, was Jack not, like... Well, he didn't taste the fruit pieces and then, like, noting, oh, that's not bad. You know, the classic that they always do with the pie. Yeah. Someone gets hit in the face with a pie and then they taste it and they go, oh, that's a good pie. According to TVTropes.com, this practical joke was a staple of silent movie comedies. Not the fruit throwing, but the actual pie throwing, which this is really a pie throw in a movie. Yeah. It's just fruit. It's done with fruit. Yeah. 
And that's the first thing that I thought. I'm like, oh my God, they're doing a pie fight in this movie. And it's like, when was the last time I saw a pie fight? It's been a while. Maybe watching the Brady Bunch rerun. They have like that Hollywood one where they go to Hollywood and... Have a pie fight? Yeah. It's part of the thing. You don't even know that one, do you? It's poor little Oliver, the little wannabe Brady Bunch oh, kid that comes in. Oh, that's after they brought in the kid. I just said that. <laughs> what kind of crazy commentary do you have? I just mentioned Oliver and you go, oh yeah, the one where they brought in that kid. So I just gave you I his name that, for one I thing. I said that's after they brought in the... Well, of course it's after because it's like the show. When the He's show there. started going down, they had to bring in a different kid to yeah, kind of help the show along. But it really didn't work. Well, what? come on. Why would it? Because according to TVTropes.com, this practical joke was a staple of silent movie comedies, which came up with most of the variants. Often a missed throw would result in an escalating war pie fight. The all-out pie fight is really a forgotten trope in movies, but it still shows up elsewhere. And this falls right in this idea here. Jack attempts to throw, well, then he misses, and then the Pelagosos woman, well, she catches it. So it's yeah. still kind of a miss. It, but no. then she begins to chuck tropical fruit back. Yeah. And I'm glad to see the Pelagosos taste for long pork hasn't been eliminated. You know, they... Well, they haven't eliminated fruit from their diet. Oh, they kind of need that. Yeah, you got to get those vitamins. Well, well you got to keep, you got to, you got to have a little bit of fruit and vegetables to keep yeah. you Can't flowing just eat properly. Meat all the time. TV Tropes also links this to the pelted with produce cliche. And the although tomatoes? I think this is, yeah, more online of the pie fight here, it's it's really like slapstick Three Stooges stuff. And that's why I was asking what you thought of it. Because the pelted with produce thing originates from way back in the 19th century when audiences and working class theater goers would often carry these things into theaters and chuck them at bad performances. Come on, little Billy, we're going to the theater. Oh, grab that sack of rotten fruit over there. Let's bring it along. Yeah, which come is on, so weird. It is weird. What's with the people in the past? I have no clue. I couldn't even imagine bringing a sack of fruit with you to throw it something for a bad I kind of like the idea now. <laughs> Who doesn't want to have to do that? If You'll you're be paying arrested money for these it, days for that. Well, actually, there is a law against pieing Pie. somebody. Oh, seriously? Yeah, yeah, because it can be an assault. Yeah, for huh. sure. I was when I was researching pieing in the pie throwing trope that came up that there's actually a law about it. Wow! And it comes up it because people sense, but... do it to politicians as a means of protest and things. So it's oh, probably why. Yeah. But yeah, I really do like the idea of bringing this back. You. Go to pay for a performance and you don't like it. Why not heave a little uh, old produce at them? Maybe they'll shape up for next time. What's the last performance you went to that you didn't like? That's a good question. Uh-huh. I would probably remember that if I had thrown fruit. <laughs> but now I don't. That's why you would remember it. Maybe it's good that we actually don't have a live audience. That's very good. Although I could use some rotten fruit right now, I guess. Since I'm still on the pie fight idea... Even though this is the updated fruit fight in this movie, according to those blasted internet sources, we'll just say, quite a few films have been made incorporating extended pie-throwing battles. I think we've all seen them. The first was Charlie Chaplin's Behind the Screen, released in 1916. The definitive pie fight in film occurs in The Battle of the Century, starring Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy from 1927. Get this, using 3,000 pies for this shot. Wow, seriously? Yeah, that's incredible, right? Yeah. Then our gangs, you know, the our gang little rascals. Yeah. 
Shivering Shakespeare, 1930, winds up with an auditorium full of people throwing pies. But 3,000 pies in a Laurel and Hardy. I mean, come on, that's a lot of pies. In 1941, another major pie fight film appeared, The Three Stooges in the Sweet Pie and Pie. By 1952, pieing was such an established gag in Hollywood, yeah, cliche territory, that even a song, Make Em Laugh from Singing in the Rain, concludes with the line, and then you get a great big custard pie in the face. Huh. And then there's also a Technicolor film involving pies in a 1965 comedy, The Great Race, known for having the largest pie fight in cinematic history. Its $200,000 pie fight scene used 4,000 pies in one large cake. Took five days to shoot. Jeez. And of course, there's the Blazing Saddles pie fight. Oh, yeah. Classic Blazing Saddles. Yeah. And didn't the Amazing Race do a pie fight? The Amazing Race? Yeah. On the Amazing Race. They did oh, a yeah, pie they fight did. thing in they one did of have the to do it. towns You're right. they went to. I was about ready to make fun of you, and then I clicked and remembered. Yeah. See? Classic Hollywood trope that lives on to this day. They also had a tomato fight. Tomato fight, produce, boom. Another good reference that I made you remember. I like to take credit for your stuff. By the way, I've actually been in a real fruit fight. At yes, Rayleigh's? A real fruit fight. Yes, at Rayleigh's. This is this is what happens when you have young guys working without management in the back of a grocery store in the produce section. Young guys at and night. one old man. Who's an old man? Ah! How dare you? I wasn't an old man. I was in school. How dare you? Get the hell out of here. There was this giant bin of fruit and veggies to be delivered to the local farm. All the stuff that you pull off shelves because it's gone bad or going bad or getting soft. Yeah. All goes into this giant green bin. Okay. It's just open bin. Because then it's wrapped up and this whole bin is picked up and delivered to, say, farms and pig farms and things like that so they oh, can okay. feed their animals. But That's it's just cool, sitting actually. out. Huh? That's cool. Yeah, it's just sitting out in the open. And it was just begging for a fruit pelting. And that's exactly what we did. Rotten tomatoes and all. Flinging in the back of the store. I'm sure management would not have liked that. No. It was a giant mess too. Did you clean it up? I think we all kind of had to pitch in because it really was just a mess. God. It was a mess. Yeah, let's just say that. Of course those, it was. Those are the days. Those are the days <laughs> when you didn't care. Oh, I guess we have to stay late to clean up. All right. As opposed to, I got to get the hell out of here. The... You know, the <laughs> time just rang. What the hell is that saying? The bell. How come I can't remember phrases anymore? What is this? Like my super weakness? <laughs> the, 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 I don't know. You know what? Remember what are you that, trying to say? Like when the, like the, hits five o'clock, there's that, what the hell is that? Like the closing bell. It's not like the stock market here. What is it? When the. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's no saying, but I just it's like the Flintstones thing. You know, the the is whistle it? goes off. Yeah. It's quitting time. Okay, quitting time. Let's just say quitting time. Whatever. You know, sometimes it's like talking to a wall. I'm talking about myself here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how you got us off course because we're supposed to be talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, think of the listeners, for God's sakes. For crying out loud, think of the listeners. You're taking us off course. It's a pirate movie we're supposed to be talking about here. Okay, so what do you think of Jack pole vaulting across the ravine? Because this is going to be my episode of questions for you. Jack, Jack pole vaulting over the ravine. Appropriate or gone too far? Jack's quite the gymnast. That's your comment. Yeah. No, I think it was a little too much. Oh, you did think it was a little too much? Yeah. It was a little not possible. Well, I'm, you have to suspend some belief in this movie. I mean, we are talking Aztec curses in the previous one. Yeah, but one. it was... It was just a little... So you're talking it was a, beyond, like, physics here. Physically impossible. Yeah. As in physics related. Yeah. Yeah, I can go with that. 
yeah, it was it was a, it was too much. Because you know me, I, I mean, I constantly hover on the scrutinize button. Sometimes slapstick and non-slapstick movies, it just gives me a bad vibe. When I see it, it kind of takes me out of the movie, actually. Yeah. It gives me that, well, okay. It's like someone took the paddles to me and yelled, clear. Shocks me right out of the film experience here. That's what's weird. I'm okay with Jack falling and the rest of the part with that, well, okay, voiding spoilers here. Falling, okay, let's just say that in the okay. pole and all that, okay? But for some reason, the flip doesn't sit fully well with me. What about it's almost the, like too cartoony, I guess. What about the fruit weighing him back? That I can live with. I can live with that. You're okay with that. Because I can see how it's that would happen. It's just the pole vaulting you. It's the weird pole vaulting. It's like I got Upside down on top of it. It's like I got to give, you know, this guy a a perfect 10 or something like that. He <laughs> sticks the landing. I'm, I'm feeling like I got to give him a rating or something. Like it's the Olympics. <laughs> It's a perfect 10. Upside down. Yeah. it's What do you mean upside down? He's, he started oh, yeah. his pole vault upside down. Well, he flipped over. I, I know, but that which makes it even worse. Does it really make it worse? Yeah. Really? Pole vaulting like that at anything, does it really make it worse? <laughs> Let's just be honest here. <laughs> really? You're now grading this on the from worse to not worse. I'm just saying, I think it's like too far. I think it just... It's just, like I said, it's, it's more of a bit cartoony than it is for yeah. the movie. And I'm okay with some of the other things. This is the one that gets me for some reason. It just takes me out of the movie experience. And I think it's just because it's... Not realistic at all. Yeah. And, at all. And this is the thing that whenever I think of Dead Man's Chest, before I've actually started scrutinizing it, that was the one thing that kept pulling me out of this movie from really liking it is more than I did or not liking. However, I would want to say that, you know, if I were to think of it, the first thing that I would think of is not Davy Jones. I think of that weird cannibal Island scene in those days before scrutinizing <laughs> Jack doing this weird pole vault thing that just seems so weird. Mickey mouse cartoon, like, or some cartoon like thing Yeah, that you would see. It is literally probably from something in a cartoon kind of thing. Yeah. And, and that's what it is. I mean, it doesn't, not anymore, but it used to be one of those things that I go, I don't know if I can let that go. But, you know, I, I've done it now to a point. I'm really trying. I'm in counseling for it now. But I think it is. I mean, am I wrong on this? I mean, I'm I'm wondering if, like, I or we are the only ones that, like, see this or get this interruption. That's a good question. I don't know. That That's the one thing. Yeah. Yet the entire... Well, okay. I don't know. It... Maybe I don't want to dwell on this too long. I'll get all fired up. But I can take some of the stuff and there's like some degrees of slapstick and things. But yeah. this is the one for some reason that finally the line has been drawn. And th this is like, okay, now we've crossed the line with this one. All hell's going to break loose. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I wonder if anybody else out there feels that as well. I think it would have been better if he somehow was able to get over that other than that. And then fell yeah. over. Or... Didn't even do that. He ends up kind of maybe flipping or just falling right by the edge. And then the fruit thing happens. Because that's also a classic Hollywood cliche. You know, the car is tipping oh, right yeah, on the yeah. edge. Then all of a sudden something shifts in the driver's seat. You know, yeah. the paper clip moves over and it's just enough ounces to, to throw the car over. Yeah. That's the same thing with the fruit. Oh, yeah. I'm okay with that one. We know it's coming. I saw it. But if he had landed on the one side and then fell over into it, I'd be okay with that. The the flip, I don't know if it didn't work for me. 
That's what I'm saying. But I can still like the movie without liking that particular yes. scene. Up until I believe so. the time he tells the Pelagostos women to stop. Yeah. Wasn't that beginning of this minute just pure chaos? You have both Jack and Will and the crew, you know, trying to escape the Pelagostos. It was just just chaos on both sides. And they're like bouncing between each scene. Yeah, there's, you know, and I was looking just scrolling for, through my notes when you were saying that. But it looks like I left it out. Because I was probably, because I was like, oh my God, I got a lot of notes. But this says, this is something that I really like about this minute. Since I was just talking about something that I didn't necessarily like. Yeah. I like this kind of montage that's going on here. It's this, a quick flash of Jack having his own problems with these Pelagostos women and fruit. And this is what's the, like, the dichotomy between the two scenes. Jack always seems to have maybe things easier than some of the other guys. Right. Jack is fighting Pelagostos women throwing fruit at him. That's what he's dodging. He is on a pole, though. It doesn't matter. It's fruit. Okay? Hang with me here. Okay. Fruit. Women and fruit. Meanwhile, the Motley crew have had to roll down in this bone cage, escape, go down this chasm, it explodes... They're not dodging fruit. They're dodging arrows and spears by crazy looking cannibal dudes with horned noses and flesh missing and noses missing and ribcage hats and everything else. And moss growing on them. And Jack, he's fighting a couple of women throwing fruit at him. <laughs> That's the interesting thing. And they both fall. They both have this falling thing. Oh, so it's yeah. kind of showing there's a dichotomy there, but there's also... Like parallels that are happening for both of them. And I like the quick montage that jumps back and forth between the action sequences. I think that was great filmmaking with this. Right. That's what's showing everybody's in trouble. Everybody's escaping. We're all trying to get the hell out of here. And we all have our own problems. Jax is just maybe a little bit easier. <laughs> he could snack on the stuff they're throwing at him. <laughs> the other guys can't. They don't want those touching him. <laughs> no. So getting back to where I was... I mean, the entire filmmaking process with the flip sequence here, with Jack flipping yeah. over the ravine. I mean, it, I'm going to have to give it props because it wasn't a simple task, though, to do. It required actually a bit of planning, work, stunts, and CGI to pull it off. So, yeah, it may not have worked for me. I think it probably worked for kids out there. I think kids probably really like it. Yeah. And I think that's maybe where some of the element comes in. It's, you know, speaking to some of the kids. It's, it's playing to an audience that's not just the adult. Right. This is also playing to an audience that is a younger generation that's going to see 13 and it. under. Yeah. Not just mentally 13 and under like myself. Johnny Depp, though, was outside on his back with blue screen around him. A fan creating wind for the falling effect as he acts like he's falling, that kind of stuff. And there's times he acted with a full bamboo pole. And then there's times it was like a modified short version in which the ends may be unscrewed or something. Oh, yeah. And it's funny to see that. You know, this bamboo had metal ends. It's like, wait a second here. When I'm looking at some of the making of this particular stuff shot, it's like, that's not real bamboo? What? <laughs> How dare you trick me? <laughs> then they would use CGI and add the ends of the pole and the fruit sliding to shift the weight things later on, which is interesting. I think that I thought it was all probably like a real effect thing going on, but they actually maybe had a bunch of different combinations of real stuff, CGI all edited together yeah because then there's some actual stunt work too and apparently tony angelotti he's 
Johnny Depp's stunt double, got hurt during the rehearsal for this scene, so he was actually out, and then they had to bring in Theo Kipri, stuntman, to do this. And I think we talked about Tony last season, which I'm pretty sure we did because yeah. he was a stunt double. However, Theo hasn't come up yet, and so I thought, hey, what the hell? As we're scrutinizing this minute, we might as well say, hey to, to Theo. Theo. What? Hello to Theo. I thought you said Julio. And I was like, what are you breaking into a Paul Simon song? <laughs> no. Hello to Theo. I wonder how many song references I can get in, even if they're just made up or me mishearing them. Because <laughs> Jack wasn't actually at the schoolyard here. But Theo, <laughs> he has a stunt credit in the film and was also in Curse of the Black Pearl. So he's a returning stunt guy. And talk about a working stuntman. I mean, this guy has an astounding 175 credits on his IMDb resume for stunts alone, stretching all the way back to 1988. Wow. Ah, 1988. The days of silent movies, the Model T, and the Wright Brothers. It's all that long ago. 1988. Got to get back in time. Wasn't that uh, Back to the Future time? Or is that 85? 85. Damn it. I think I just, yeah, 85. Good job. How dare me. Must be Return of the Back to the Future. Return of the Back to the Futures. Anyways, I mean, he's all over the place and in big budget pictures. And actually, he's just like franchise crazy. Besides Pirates of the Caribbean franchise that he's been in. And I'm not saying he's been in all the movies in the franchise, but he's like had his mark in all of these different big budget franchises. Okay. From James Bond, Harry Potter, Highlander. Okay, you know, not Highlander's not a big budget, but I like Highlander, so I'm just going to throw it out there. The Mummy, Tomb Raider, Star Trek, Terminator, Mission Impossible, Zorro, Iron Man, Transformers, Avatar, Alice in Wonderland, Planet of the Apes, The Purge, Avengers, Jurassic World. <sighs> and I think I have to mention our, one of our favorites. Not necessarily a franchise, though, but I said it's a favorite, so I just had to mention it. Master and Commander. Oh, really? Yeah. Trust me, the list goes on, though. Jeez. He's also an actor here and there from movie and TV bit parts. And some notable characters include... Now, don't get excited here. This isn't a classic recurring segment that I do every once in a while with some of these guys. And as I talk about some of their previous roles that I've mentioned in the past with some of our character actors. Yeah. So he doesn't, he doesn't have the esteem as some of these people do that we've well, talked about. Well, he's normally a stunt guy, right? Yeah, so... Okay. But I thought I would just bring them to you because it's something that I do, even what? though it wasn't like top notch. This is like the C effort for this. But we have run of the mill classics like Assassin Bellhop. Always a good role to have. Oh, yeah. Assassin Bellhop. Arab cab driver. Hey, no profiling here. Wow. Tree salesman. Tree salesman. Yeah, it's like always Christmas a good occupation. Tree salesman? No, just tree salesman. How dare you? Christmas tree salesman, you're putting this guy... Don't put baby in a corner here. <laughs> he does tree sales. Yeah, but... Door-to-door tree, tree salesman. Okay? Thug number one and Ghost Rider. No, not that Ghost Rider. How dare you? Don't bring Marvel into this. Just some guy, Ghost Rider. Whatever. No, not writer. Rider. Ghost Rider. Okay. I also have something in common with Theo, though. Thought everybody would be interested in that. What's that? Like me, he is a former world-class... Trampolinist. <laughs> what? I'll have to check out those trampoline skills. I haven't seen them in... Well, hey, I'm I don't not think sure you've I've ever, ever seen yeah, them. You haven't ever seen my trampoline skills. Which means they're not honed in anymore. Honed in? <laughs> Once you're a trampolinist, you're always a trampolinist. Really? Yeah. He who cannot touch his toes? Excuse me, if I wanted to touch my toes, I would right now. <laughs> don't make me stop... 
He broadcasting right now. <laughs> We're moving on to location. That's all I have to say about trampolinist, and I will never bring that up. It's part of my past, and I care not to talk about it. Thank you very much. Hurts me deeply. It hurts you. Yeah, it hurts me deeply. The chasm in which Will Turner, that's Orlando Bloom for Heather. The one we can actually visit? Yeah. And his shipmates are suspended. His in what a, mates? His shipmates. The Motley crew. Oh, it didn't sound like you said ship. Well, that's a whole different ballgame. They're suspended in a bone cage, as we know. And this is in Tichu Gorge. And this is in the Morn Pitons National Park. The park, which contains the Morn Pitons volcano, can be found in the south central interior of Dominica. And Tichu Gorge means little throat. And this special attraction was formed by volcanic lava, which cooled and split open, leaving this natural cave that we see the Motley crew, Will Turner, Cotton, Gibbs, all these guys in. They're the ones swimming along to get away. Swimming and dodging the arrows. Exactly. And more from the brochure that I mentioned earlier. You can swim right inside to find a gushing waterfall sparkling with light filtered from the forest canopy above. It sounds really cool. Yeah, sign me up. (laughs) I don't want cannibals flinging spears and arrows at me. But the other thing is okay. Although I did see some reviews and it was more of, "Eh, it's all right. Oh, really? Yeah. But who knows? I mean, it looked... Take the cannibals out. It looked nice when they were looking up. Yeah. It looked really cool. That's what I thought. So there you go. Now you have a location. the water looked clear. Water is definitely clear. Yeah. Speaking of those cannibals that we were just talking about, aren't they freaking top notch? Did you check out their paint? Well, I just checked out everything about them. This is like the stuff of the Walking Dead zombie extras going on here. These Pelagosos are spectacular. The details just make this worth seeing alone, I think. Yeah. Sure, there's this weird zombie vibe with some of them. I mean, obviously, trading in long pork has its dangers. And that's why I think so many of them have, like, these infected injuries or other body parts missing that they have. (laughs) But the small details from cuts and bite marks to noses that are, like, adorned with these animal teeth are really spot on. Yeah. Maybe it's a bit too far in the zombie spectrum or leaning that direction, maybe. Because if I wanted to try and point out a flaw... I would say that it leans too far to zombie cannibal tribe on some of these guys. Yeah. Because they're missing like noses and things. But I don't want to do that. So I'll just say I like it. I think it's really cool. And their body paint, it's, I know it's made so they can totally blend into the forest. But they're like blue and green. Okay. Like, um. Listen back to the previous episodes where I talked about face paints and Native American paints though. Their whole body is. Is like almost like camouflage blue green, like a camouflage look, you know. And then the one on the end with the horns coming out of his nose, yeah, the top of his nose, he actually looks like he's got moss growing on him. The better to hide you with. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really great work by the production team to like bring this tribe to reality using all these kinds of different camouflage techniques for them. Yeah, and just being crazy adorned cannibals with all this stuff. So I thought that was good. I mentioned the dude in the ribcage hat the last time. So this time I have to say, where did your pheasant feathers come from, sir? Because there's another guy who's wearing pheasant feathers on his hat. And I'm guessing that he traded them, most likely. Because, yeah, I zoomed in and I could swear that those are maybe ringneck pheasant tail feathers on his hat. Wow. Yeah, that's specific. So what are pheasant feathers worth? Long pork? Nothing. I think somebody's, yeah, bringing them in like, hey, look at these fancy to-dos. Either that or they're trying to 
just make them look like run-of-the-mill jungle bird feathers or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. But I thought, you know, where would they have come from? And so, guess what? I did some checking. Okay. Okay, the timeline is off a bit for the Caribbean, but I have to think that they were probably traded, not just like an indigenous bird here. Because I give them that. Traded. I'll give them the leeway for the movie. But here's the info I found regarding the United States. And this is the crazy part about our dear ringneck pheasant that's everywhere. Because on March 31st, 1881, around 60 Chinese ringneck pheasants arrive in Port Townsend aboard the ship Otago. United States Consul General Owen Nickerson Denny and his wife Gertrude Jane Hall Denny. I always liked how everybody back in the day had these really long names. I think I'm going to add a few names in the middle of mine. Then just use your middle name. I know, but I've got to add a couple more, though. <laughs> Anyways, dear Gertrude and husband Owen decided that they would ship in a bunch of pheasants along with other Chinese birds and plants from Shanghai in the hopes of establishing a population in their home state of Oregon. Wow. Really? Yep. Blasphemy. I mean, obviously they didn't declare these birds in customs. I mean, freaking come on. <laughs> and establishing non-native species? How dare you? How dare you, madam? Don't ever do that again. Exactly. That's what you could get away with in 1881, I guess. Anyways, most of the pheasants succumb as they are transported from Olympic Peninsula to Portland, and a few survivors are released on the lower Columbia River, but accounts differ as to whether the population survives or not. However, the Denny's, being that they're really set on having pheasants here, Chinese ringneck pheasants. They like them. I swear. You know, in 1882 and 1884, they decided to bring in a bunch more on a ship. And they successfully introduced the pheasant into Oregon's Willamette Valley and on Protection Island in Jefferson County near Port Townsend. The colorful game birds then proved prolific and popular. No kidding. Ringneck <laughs> pheasants spread throughout Oregon and Washington and are introduced in states across the country, becoming so common that they seem more of a native species than one first established in the United States in 1881. Well, our climate is much better than China. How do you know? You mean, is this like a smog joke? Are you doing a Chinese smog joke here? No. Poor pheasants couldn't We're breathe. warmer. So I don't think you know much about China. I don't. Then what the hell are you saying? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it sounds good. There's it deserts good. and there's snow. Okay, it sounds good. Whatever. I don't know where they came from. But they just seem more of a native bird. And I bet you most people think pheasants are a native species as opposed to non-native. Because they're everywhere. Yeah, but we hunt them. Yeah? They are hunted. So? All kinds of things are hunted that are native. I think you better walk yourself back and let's pretend that didn't happen. We will. Anyways, a gratuitous plug. Check out our work at urbanbird.org. Oh, we don't hunt them. Not us. No. We don't deal with pheasants anyways. I was just saying We're that. native birds. But anyways, yeah, I save native wildlife and soon to be saving sea turtles. Literally saving sea turtles. That would make Jack happy. He likes sea turtles. Exactly. He can ride them. <laughs> There's no riding sea turtles. That's against the conservation policy. Anything else? That's it for me. I see the light, though. I see the end of Pelagosto. Is it even possible that we're on the verge of leaving this cannibal island? Possibly. I mean, something we need to talk maybe. about, maybe like in the next minute or so. We're in minute 40 freaking two of this movie here. And I'm not so sure the plot has really moved at a brisk enough pace yet. Not complaining. I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm not going to make this the complaining episode. I'm just pointing out the obvious for those critical cinephiles out there. I like long, entertaining movies. Yeah, I do. It's just odd from that standpoint that we're still venturing forward, not really moving so much, kind of furthering the plot thing here. Yeah. But we're hanging out with cannibals. For a very long yeah. time. I mean, we need a minute tally when we get off the island. 
just how long were we as the audience on this island here? I mean, it seems so much longer, obviously, going minute by minute. But I might need to track back and see how many minutes we were actually on this island. Well, that's a minute 25 we were on the island. Seriously? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Have we really been on the island this long? Let's elevator music that and check. Yeah, we talked about the huts on minute 25. Oh, okay. We're going to have to come up on, like, right when we leave then, we'll do a tally of how long we've been on the island of Pelagosto. Yeah. It just seems like a long time. Seems like we've been talking about long pork for a long Long time. time. That's all I'm saying. I'm not complaining. Like I said, I like the movie. I like the cannibal stuff here. Okay, except the flip. But I like the other stuff. (laughs) I'm not complaining. Like I said, if it's an entertaining movie and it's long, I'm okay with that. It just is weird from a movie making perspective that it would go on this long without really having a bunch of stuff going on. To move the plot actually forward. Because think about it. We're in minute 42. I mean, mind you, this is a, a long movie. And is a basically a two-parter. It's the first part of one long movie, including Pirates of the Caribbean 3. But it really is interesting that we're in minute 42 and we haven't really moved along much. We haven't even really got more into Kraken stuff that we saw, this terrible beastie, this Davy Jones character we've heard a little bit about. I mean, it's been a while since Beckett kind of said, hey, you need to go get him. It, it really is a long time here. Yeah. This is a long sequence. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. No more complaining. No. Oh. Nah, kind of not complaining. It wasn't complaining. Wasn't complaining. It was pointing out movie out. making stuff. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Anything else on your end then? That's it for me today. Okay, let's wrap it up then. Let's try and get the hell out of Pelagosto. Okay. Plus it's always made me hungry. It's like I've been perpetually hungry while we've been on Cannibal Island. That's not good. I know. Visit I recommend us a therapist. At the probably overused comedic bit now. The... <laughs> That I've said so many times, you can listen to our other podcast Thursdays at the table at the Donner Party. <laughs> yeah, I've overused it. Just, just listen. Just shh. There you go. We'll be back on Wednesday with Minute 43 and maybe some new jokes <laughs> regarding Dead Man's Chest. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horns swoggling and the Donner Party cliches to a minimum. <laughs> Since I've been talking about TV tropes for so long, maybe I should not... Be party to the cliches myself, what do you think? Maybe. Yeah, I shouldn't. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. That's really a cool podcast name. I don't know if I'll give it up. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, soundcloud.com slash pirates of the caribbean that's for best of clips and by all means give us a plug and review on itunes we'd appreciate it mateys oh and let's not forget the facebook cursed crew listeners group for post episode discussions that's actually a lot to remember especially if you're in a foggy haze like heather just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button perhaps i should have just said that from the beginning
This is a Shoutreach Media production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.